If you're doing a list of the top 10 greatest movies of all time, you better have a gay movie, a black movie, a female director, and no, do not put any Asians on there. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. I got my frozen beer on top of my outdoor wood stove again like they're little kettles. But this morning, I listened to something about the poinsettia, you know, that red flower-looking plant that you buy for Christmas? And it was interesting. So apparently the poinsettia comes from Mexico somewhere, somewhere, somewhere down there. And it blooms in November and December, which is, you know, good time for the holidays. And so when the conquistadors got to that part of the world and they, I guess they celebrated Christmas back then. That's kind of interesting. Before Coca-Cola invented this, you know, the red suit Santa Claus with the big beard that we know today. But anyways, conquistadors turned everyone into a Christian. They started putting poinsettias all over the freaking place. And then Mexico became its own country. I'm not sure when. A couple hundred years ago, probably. And so America sent an official down to talk to the new government. And uh, first name John, maybe? Anyways, Mr. Poinsett went down to talk to the Mexicans. And while he was there, he saw all these poinsettias, red, beautiful, all over the place. And so he grabbed a bunch of seeds and a bunch of plants, and he took it back to America. And so that's how it got its name of poinsettia, because that, that was the guy. And I think some Germans, then some German immigrants to America, they got involved. And I think, I think the wild poinsettia is not as beautiful looking as the one you buy at the store. And so, you know, they... They uh, selectively bred it so that it looked better, and then now we have the poinsettia that we're used to. And in, in a kind of funny twist, they grow the poinsettia in Mexico, I guess, to sell it probably, well, for themselves and to sell it to America. But they have to pay whoever, you know, so back in the day they copyrighted the poinsettia. You can copyright a plant. And so some American copyrighted it, and so now in Mexico, they have to pay money whenever they grow a poinsettia in Mexico. And there's now a movement for them to try and selectively breed the poinsettias down there until they get one that's as good as the American one, and then they won't have to pay a fee, but we'll see on that one. And then I like to look into pronunciation of words, and like I think if you, just, if you look at it, it's, it looks like it would be pronounced poinsettia, but it's pronounced poinsettia, but I think growing up, and probably still to this day, I think people call it poinsetta, like pointing a finger at someone, poinsetta. And I think the podcast that I was listening to, one person was going back and forth. Sometimes they'd say poinsetta, sometimes they'd say poinsetta. And anyway, that's just an interesting thing. I guess if you know the original guy's name was Poinset, that might be helpful. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I believe in descriptive model of language so there is no wrong thing whatever people say that is how it's pronounced if you say it that way you're right i wish i had a list of these anyways it brings to mind the other word that is orangutan like if you look at the word and how it's spelled you know the monkey orangutan but i think i think my whole life my whole childhood anyone who ever said that word we're only switching lately used to say orangutan it kind of had a rhyme within one word so the British Film Institute, which is kind of like their version of the Academy Awards, 
they have a magazine called Sight and Sound. And once every 10 years, Sight and Sound comes up with the greatest movies of all time. And they do it, well, they did it, in, they did it this year, 2022. Last time they did it was 2012. And Sight and Sound is a magazine. It's probably just an online magazine now, but I think, I think back in the day you could, you know, flip through the pages. And Dan Merle uh, on YouTube did a breakdown video on this. And so, so they did, you know, they did, they did their greatest films of all time list in 2012, 2002, 1992, 82, 72, I think back to maybe 52 was the first one. And I didn't know this was a British Oscars blah, blah um, thing, but I've heard about it because the, the number one movie almost always, not, not this year, always came out to be Citizen Kane, which I've seen that movie. It's a terrible movie. I mean, it's long and it's boring and it's black and white and it has that punchline of Rosebud at the very end. Otherwise, I don't know, that's all I remember. Boring and Rosebud. Spoilers. The rich, evil megalomaniac who says Rosebud when he dies. Rosebud was the name of his um, sled when he was a child. It was the only time he was happy. It was the only time he was a good person. I'll tell you what I just described there. That would make a good five-minute film. But anyways, they drag it out into, I don't know, two or three hours. But so, this magazine, Sight and Sound, they do a top ten list every ten years. But I think they... I think they also do like a top 100. Like if you buy the magazine, you can get the top 100. Usually, usually the you know it goes down the wire, AP or whatever, just gives you the top 10. But um, it's a magazine, and also before they give you the list, they preface it with a statement from I guess the British Film Institute. And so this Dan Merle video, he was reading the preface. And then, you know, he'd tell you about the 10 movies that were selected in whatever year, and, he'd, and, he, and here was the preface. And so the interesting part about that is that I don't think they said inclusion. They didn't, they didn't know about diversity and inclusion, but I think maybe the, even in 80, definitely in 92, maybe in 82, and like starting a long-ass time ago, you know, this is how woke film people are. They're the wokest. They're the absolute wokest of the woke. And so they were talking about a need for diversity. Basically, they're pleading with the voters to choose. They mostly were talking about women. I think, you know, this is all before George Floyd, so they didn't know they had to say black people too. So they were saying, come on, can't we get some women directors in here? It was, I think, seven women directors out of 100, like in 2012. There's more now. Yeah, but so the British Film Institute... For 30, maybe, I think even 40 years, they've been trying to push diversity, and then it just doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, in my opinion, it's because women have not, I don't, I'm not going to say they don't make good movies, but I will say they have not made good movies. If I, I don't know what my top 10 is. I'm sure there's not a single woman on there. I mean, the first Wonder Woman movie was good. It's certainly not in the top 10 of anything. Well, it's number one, possibly, for women directors, but other than that... And so I think in the 50s, there was like, it was less than 100 people who got to vote on it. And then maybe in the 90s, they created two categories. So then you got critics get to choose and directors get to choose. Anyways, none, none, none of this stuff was helping. They were still getting like Alfred Hitchcock and Citizen Kane.
So, you know, so BFI, British Film Institute. So BFI was pleading with its people, please vote for more diverse people. And they did that for decades, and that didn't work. And uh, and then I think the last 2012, and then this year, they've been they've been monkeying around with who gets to vote in it. Basically, they've been looking for more women to vote, more black people to vote. Like, hey, if we get a bunch of women, get a bunch of black women to vote, then maybe they'll vote in a black woman. We can finally get a goddamn black woman on this list. Shit. 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 I pressed the wrong button. There you go. A bunch of silence and some shits. I'm recording this, and it's so freaking cold that I'm wearing gloves. So when I press pause, when I finish a thought, press pause for my next thought. Sometimes it screws up. Sorry. Well, I'm not sorry, but now you know. Well, so anyways, the number one movie this year is some movie by a woman director from the 70s. It is, I mean, basically, it makes Citizen Kane look like a roller coaster ride. It's some sort of three-hour experimental film with, like, you know, you watch a woman eat eggs for five minutes in silence. Stuff like that. You know, all in one cut. So let's talk about movie critics. I think, you know, since when I was born in 73 and probably before, audiences and movie critics do not agree. I think back in the day, what happened was movie critics, they saw every movie. You know, like they were seeing, it was in the theater and probably saw five movies a week. So they just saw every movie and they got bored with any normal movie. And so they really would upvote strange movies. Just anything that was different. It didn't have to be entertaining or really good in a traditional sense. It just had to be different. And so artsy fartsy. So for most of my life, movie critics would upvote artsy fartsy stuff and then say, like, obviously monumentally great movies like Star Wars or something are shit. And I remember, like, the original movie critics on TV was Siskel and Ebert, and I think they were on PBS. And so when I was a kid, it was the only show on all of PBS that I could watch. And because they would, it's because they would show a clip of the movie. <laughs> I think they did three movies in an episode. You'd get to see, like, a trailer. Basically, there was three trailers mixed in with... Some people saying that artsy-fartsy stuff is good and everything that you love as a young boy is stupid. But anyways, you got to see three trailers, so I used to like that show. But when you're a movie critic, you're an influencer. You're influencing people, and so you get, you know, you, you get to put your thumb on the scale a little bit, try and convince people that something they wouldn't think is good is now good. And so it used to be movie critics loved artsy-fartsy stuff. You know, the last... 10 years, especially since George, especially since Trump, especially since, double especially since George Floyd, now what movie critics do is they just, it's basically a woke score. If the movie's woke, if the movie is diverse, if it, ha, you know, if it has a black star or a black director, then they, the movie critics just fall all over themselves to give it five stars and make up a bunch of horseshit about how it's a good movie when it isn't. But so, whatever. Women got moved up in the sight and sound poll, uh... In the top 100, I don't know, like, I think Moonlight got in there, which was at some, I think it was 2016. It's a movie about a black gay man. I mean, basically, that's all that mattered. It won, I believe it won the Oscar for the year of Best Picture. And it did it because it was about, you know, it was about a black person and a gay person. And it was like, well, fuck, that's got to win. You know, you, you, you had me at black and gay. I don't care what the story is at all. 
and you don't hear about it anymore. There's not a lot of people like sitting around re-watching Moonlight, you know, or think of other famous ones like, you know, 12 Years a Slave or whatever the hell. Stuff that was so critically acclaimed at the time, but no one ever talks about or certainly never re-watches. But Moonlight got into the top 100 of the sight and sound list. I forget other ones, but anyways, a variety of movies kind of like that. A lot of women director movies got in there and some black ones and then maybe... It always had a lot of foreign, like, French movies, but I think maybe, you know, they tried to grab movies from other parts of the, from other continents besides Europe and America. And so each person who gets to vote in this thing, they get to, they get to do 10 movies. They don't get to say, here's my number one through 10, you know, my best, 10th best. They just, they just say, here are 10, and they just use that, and if Citizen Kane has, is on the top 10, is on the 10 list, top 10 list of the most people, then that's how it gets number one. So it's just going to be interesting to see these, basically it's affirmative action, you know, unqualified movies are being put into this list based on identity politics, and so it'll be interesting to see if, I think there's going to be churn, it's like, you know, someone, someone people, people obviously were, were looking for black gay movies, just like when they gave it the Best Picture Oscar for this list, they're like, give me a goddamn black gay movie i can't find one. Oh, moonlight that was a black gay movie so anyways they're putting it on for that reason and that means that you know if they if they do like an actually good black gay movie in the next 10 years i think moonlight's out or if they just do another black gay movie that's gonna be more fresh in people's mind and they'll probably be like oh they, you know they're like because people are gonna look oh yeah let's talk about this i believe it is not a secret ballot so like on this video i was watching he's like here's all the video here's the 10 movies that scorsese or something chose and anyways the controversy is some young white man director who does horror movies i don't remember his name he did x if you heard of that and pearl but twitter got up in arms over his choices because his choices were like you know it's a bunch of like I don't know, like movies from the 50s, white male director movies from the 50s and 60s. Just the classic normal stuff. Citizen Kane, Easy Rider, some other stuff. And so everyone got up in arms like, that's racist. You don't have a woman on your list. You don't have any black people on your list. He got put on blast, as the kids say. And so that guy knows. Ten years from now, everyone knows. You know, Scorsese will be dead or something by then, but... Everyone knows, 10 years from now, when you vote for this stuff, you better have a gay movie on your top 10, you better have a black movie on your top 10, you better have a female director on your top 10, and who knows what identity politics will be doing then. You know, Maybe Asians will be back in favor and you'll have to have an Asian, or maybe they'll be out of favor like they are now and you don't ever put an Asian on there, etc. But like I say, there's going to be a lot of churn, and you're going to be able to look at that list and see... People are not choosing stuff based on the quality of the film. They're choosing stuff based on politics, political political uh, considerations. Like Dan Merle, he's not woke, but he's not anti-woke. I mean, he's he's more woke than he is anti-woke. Anyways, he, he had a good way of kind of saying it. He said that all the lists, you know, 52 to 2012, those are all lists of the 10 greatest movies of all time. The one that came out this year, this is the list of greatest movies for this time. 
Twitter handle at anti-woke podcast. And thanks for listening.